Isaiah chapter 60, right where we were. Let's turn there. Tomorrow is Epiphany. Epiphany is, commemorates the visit of the wise men to Jesus in the house where he was as a child. And those wise men, remember, the Bible says they went there to worship the king who was born. And with the birth of Jesus, the light has come into the world. And those wise men saw his light and they were drawn to worship him. This is recounted for us in Matthew's gospel. Let me read that to you. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Why did they go? They went to worship him. This scripture in Matthew is going to introduce our text today from Isaiah. Matthew's account of the wise men visiting Jesus, worshiping him and giving gifts to him is a fulfillment of God's promise to send his light into the darkness of this world and draw all men to himself. God did send his light and God continues to send his light today to draw all men that they shall proclaim his praise. The light has come, and guess what? It will not stop shining until we come to that eternal day, and even then. In other words, it will never stop shining. The light has come, and the light will never stop shining. That's good news. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 6 Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you, the multitude of camels shall cover your land, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, All those from Sheba shall come, they shall bring gold and incense, they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that the light has come. Father, help us to be a people that knows that and remembers that the light that has come can never, ever be extinguished. It is shining, and it will continue to shine into that eternal day. Father, help us to be a people of light who lets their light shine into the darkness of this world, dispelling that darkness and bringing light and sight 
to men that they would see Jesus and be saved. Father, we ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Our light has come. So in Matthew, you see this account of these wise men who saw a star, and they followed the star, and they came to the baby Jesus, and they worshiped him. Do you know that stars are always in their place? Now, we, you do know the sun is a star, right? And we call it the sun, and we think stars shine at night, and the sun shines during the day. But the reality is the sun is a star. It's just the star, the brightest star, because it's the star closest to us. And so it gives us light. It's the, it's the light that shines that gives us the day. But we often think of stars coming out at night. We say the stars come out at night. Well, they don't come out at night. They're always in their place. It's just that we are able to see the stars. Stars become visible at night with the contrast between dark and light. The dark night gives us contrast to see the starlight. If the sun wasn't shining so brightly... If the sun would just go behind the earth, we'd see all the stars in place shining. Oh, guess what? That's what happens at night. The sun goes behind the earth, we could say in a manner of speaking, or the earth rotates on its axis and we get turned on the earth so that we're not facing the sun. The sun is behind us on the other side of the earth and we see the dark sky and we see the the stars shining. And the reason we're able to see those stars shine is because there's a contrast between the dark night and the starlight. The light of stars is most visible against the backdrop of a dark sky. Light is most noticeable in darkness. The deeper the darkness, the more distinct the light. Or as the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans, Chapter 5, verse 20, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It is in the darkness that this of this world that the light is most noticeable. Darkness is a reality in this world, and so our light must also be a reality in this world. As the Bible says, where sin abounded, so did grace abound much more. Well, where there is much darkness, guess what? The light becomes much more noticeable in the midst of that darkness The time is coming when darkness as we know it will be no more. When the Lamb is the light and there is no longer the need for sun and moon. Revelation 21-23 gives us this reality. It gives us the picture of this reality. Revelation 21 verse 23, John writes, The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Jesus is the light of the world. Well, that's not just first told us in Revelation. That's told us throughout the Scripture. That's told us very clearly in the Gospels. And until that day when darkness is no more, when there's no more need for sun or moon, 
Until that day, darkness will be a reality in this world, but never without the promise and the reality of God's light. Listen again to the prophet Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. That literally was fulfilled when Jesus was born. But it's not something that has just been fulfilled, and now it's gone, and we're back to darkness. Now listen, when the sun rises in the morning, the sun is there. All throughout the day, that's why it's called day. Do you realize that a new day has come? The sun has risen. The sun, the dawning of a new day came when Jesus was born and the light came and it shone upon us and it is still shining upon us now. Now, we might not always believe that because we're we're kind of, I don't know what the word is say the word might be that I could use some people love darkness in fact the bible says this right the light came but but men sat in darkness and they loved darkness and they didn't want the light they didn't love the light they wanted to stay in their darkness some men love darkness they look to darkness because they are darkness some people are fascinated with the darkness and they would rather look at the dark than at the light But we are children of light. We are to look to the light. The darkness is around us. And we may see the darkness, but we're not to look to the darkness. We're to look to the light. In fact, we're to be the light and dispel the darkness. God commands that we rise and shine. God commands that we awake and arise from our sleep, for the day has come. That's what Isaiah said, arise, shine. For the light has come, the day has dawned. Get up, wake up, rise up. The light has come. Paul writes this very same thing in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, quoting God, quoting the prophets, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light light. Awake, arise, get up from your slumber. The day has dawned, the light has come. Christ has given us light. The eternal dawn has come and it's moving toward the brightness of the eternal noontime. What time does the sun come up? 6.30? Sunrise, let's just say somewhere around 6.30, sunrise. So if you go out around 6.30 in the morning and you see the sunrise, you'll see the horizon in the eastern sky, and it'll look very similar perhaps than the, the sunset does. We, all, we always talk about, oh, what a beautiful sunset. Do you notice there's more pictures of beautiful sunsets than there are beautiful sunrises? Do you know why that is? Because there's more people awake at 6.30 in the evening than they are at 6.30 in the morning. And you're more apt to see the sun set because you've been awake all day. Because why? Because the sun rose, the light came, and eventually you woke up. 
But if you got up in the morning before the dawning of a new day, you would see the sun rise and it would be just as spectacular as the sun set. But guess what? When you see that sun rising in the morning, you don't ever wonder whether noontime's going to get here. You know noontime's going to come. Why? Because you saw the sunrise. You saw the dawning of a new day. But just because it's 6.30 in the morning and the sun is just halfway above the horizon, that does not mean that noontime is not coming. Just because it's 6 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, and the sun has not broke the horizon yet and it's still dark, does not mean it's never going to become light. It will become light. Why? Because the day dawns. How do you know the day is going to dawn? Because you saw the dusk, because you saw the sun set. And just as the sun rises across this globe, dispelling the dark of night, so the sun, S-O-N, has risen, and he is dispelling the dark of night across this world and across the generations until the promised day comes when darkness is no more. The eternal dawn has come and it is moving toward the brightness of the noontime sun. The Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you, the prophet says. The Lord will arise and his glory will be seen in the midst of the darkness. The light and the glory that is Christ dispels that darkness. Arise, shine, the light has come. The light of the world is shining. Jesus is the light of the world. John 8 verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus said that at the Feast of Tabernacles when they were lighting this huge menorah in the middle of the temple court. And they would take the old priestly garments that were covered in, in the bloodstains and oil from the anointing. And they'd take those old garments and they'd turn them into huge wicks. And they'd put them on this menorah and they would light them. And it would be the last day of the feast, the last day of this eight-day feast, this ceremony. And it was, it was the lighting of this giant menorah. And it was in this context that Jesus makes this declaration, I am the light of the world. The menorah in the temple, the menorah in the holy place, the menorah, the big one that was in the middle of Jerusalem, Jesus said all of those menorahs, all of those lights that you guys have been lighting for centuries, all of those lights represent me. I am the light of the world. The reason God spoke light into existence in the very beginning is because Jesus is the light. It's not that light didn't exist. God existed and he is the light. And when God made the material creation and it was in darkness, God says, what I make cannot remain in darkness because I am light. And the light of the world brought light to the world. He spoke it and the light came. And that light, even at creation, spoke of the light who would come, who is Jesus Christ, who would bring light greater than any sun or any moon or any stars or any collection of stars and galaxies. He is the light. 
and he outshines not just our sun, but all the suns put together. There is no light that exists that is brighter than the light who brought all light into the world. The light of the world is shining. Jesus is the light of the world. And the light of the world has himself declared all of us, his church, his people, are also the light of the world. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill. It cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In Christ, we have the light of life. In Christ, we are the light of the world. Jesus commands that we let our light so shine before men. Light has never withdrawn from darkness. There will never, ever, ever be a day that you wake up in your, your house and walk into your kitchen and it's dark and flip the lights on and the lights come on for a second, but then all of a sudden the darkness overtakes them unless you don't have electricity. There's never going to be a day when the sun peeks over the horizon And decides that it can't dispel the darkness and retreats in the face of darkness. That's never going to happen. Light always dispels darkness. Light has never withdrawn from darkness. It is darkness that recedes in the face of light. Light is meant to shine so that men may see. The enemy seeks to hold men in the blindness of darkness. Christ has come to give us the light of sight, to see him and to know him and to be set free in his truth. Every setting sun holds the promise of a new day dawning. Never has the dawn met the darkness only to retreat. The dawn of morning dispels the darkness of night into the fullness of a glorious day. The Lord with his church is the light of the world. In Christ we are called to let our light shine and so dispel the darkness into the fullness of a glorious day. The dawning of a day is not noontime, but each dawn holds the promise of the coming noon. Noon is when the sun reaches its peak in the day sky. Noon is the brightest part of the day because it's when the sun is at its apex, its peak. This is where we are going to in Christ. This is where God is taking his world, his creation, to an eternal noontime where there is no more darkness, where darkness will never, ever overtake the world again, where darkness will never, ever overtake a soul again. But darkness will once and for all ultimately be dispelled and the brightness of the noontime sun, S-O-N, will shine throughout all eternity. So bright, the Bible says, that there will be no need for a sun or a moon because the Lamb, the Lord Jesus, is the light. 
so it is with the church. The light of the sun traverses the generations one day and one life at a time, moving toward the noontime of God's eternal day. Do you realize this is what's happening? This is why it's important for us not to look at snapshots of our life, not to look at snapshots of time, not to be fooled by what the news and what the world wants you to believe. We can't be like Chicken Little who feel like the sky is falling, who believes the sky is falling when in reality it's not. We can't be a people who believe the darkness is overtaking the world because it is not. The light has come. The Bible says, well, I don't believe the Bible. Well, then you need to get right. And you need to start believing what God has said. Because you'll believe it one day. If you don't believe it today, you will believe it one day. When you see the brightness of his light and you realize that the darkness has nowhere to hide, it must flee in the presence of his light, you will come to that day. One day you will see that day. You will see that light. If, if men don't see it now, they will see it one day. Alden had a sign. What's your sign say, Alden? What's your sign say? Where's that little sign you had? What's it say? Let me see. Let me show you what Alden's sign says. Everyone and everything will worship Jesus. Yours said the same thing, didn't it? Yes. Everyone and everything will worship Jesus. And they will know the light has come. And the light didn't come to go. The light has come to stay. And just like the dawning of a new day, that light will increase until it reaches the noontime. In Christ, when we reach the noontime, there is no decline in the light into darkness. That's the world we live in right now. The sun still rises and the sun still sets. The day comes and the day goes and the night comes and the darkness is real. And the prophet says darkness covers the earth. But what did he say? Don't worry about it. Why? Because the light has come. And when the darkness comes, it doesn't matter. We know that the light has already come and the light has already won. The darkness is only a reminder of the light that comes with the dawning of a new day. You never go to sleep at night wondering if the sun is going to rise. You just take it for granted that it's going to. And if you went to sleep every night fearful that the sun is not going to rise you would have what would be called a disturbance. Maybe a temporary disturbance, maybe a temporary fear or anxiety, but it would be called an irrational fear. If you went to your doctor and said, Doctor, every night I go to bed, I'm just beside myself wondering whether the sun's going to come up or not. You think your doctor would say, just take a couple of aspirin and come back and see me in a couple of weeks. Let me know how you're doing. No, he would say, that's irrational. We all know that, that the, sun, the sun's going to come up. That would be an irrational fear. And if that began to rule your life, we would say that perhaps you have a mental illness. Because that's not normal. Because everybody knows 
that when the sun sets, just in, just in about 12 hours, it's going to come up again. And there's no reason to fear the setting of the sun because just as the sun sets, it's going to dawn. So the darkness is only a reminder of the light that comes with the dawning of a new day. It's a reminder that noontime is coming. The darkness doesn't mean that noon is not coming. It means noon is not here yet, right? We know noon is coming because the light has come. We know noon is going to come because the sun has risen. We know the noontime, the eternal noontime of God is coming because the sun, the S-O-N, is risen. This is our time of visitation upon this earth. This is our time to let our light shine. There has never been a time when the light was more needed than our time. Now that doesn't mean that we live in darker times than people have in the past. That's not what I mean. I said there has never been a time when the light was more needed than our time. 200 years ago, we could say the very same thing. There has never been a time more needed than now that our light should shine. You know why this is the most needed time? Because this is our time. This is the time that God has sovereignly placed us on this earth. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. This is your time of visitation upon this earth. Now, some of us here today are going to be here longer than others. So I look at these babies. They're going to be here a lot longer than I will be from this day moving forward. But we're all here right now. And we're all called to let our light shine because this is our time. And we see darkness all around us. Do you know how God defines his church? Do you know how Jesus defines his church? Do you know that Jesus does, let me tell you how he does not define his church. Jesus does not define his church by denominational labels. Jesus has one church. And that's it. This is why we say the creed and we say we believe in the holy Catholic church, small c. Not a denomination, Roman Catholic, because that's a denomination. That's a label men have put on a church. Just like Methodist is a label men have put on a church. Or Presbyterian is a label men have put on a church. Or Baptist is a label men have put on a church. Or Non-denominational. Guess what that is? It's a label men put on the church. But Jesus only has one church. And we are part of it regardless of what label we go under. Or what label we think we don't go under. I don't have a label. Well, your non-label is your label. So let's, let's just forsake labels and let's just talk about the one church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who comes in all kinds of flavors But it's all the same. Now, I just read this week where part of the church that goes under the Methodist label has decided they're going to split because some under the Methodist label believe all of the Bible 
And some under the Methodist label only believe part of the Bible. The majority of the Methodists in Africa believe all of the Bible, and some of the Methodists here in America believe all of the Bible. But a large part of the Methodist part of our church, and it is part of our church, and don't think that those people that go under other names who worship in different buildings are not part of the church because they are part of the church, because they identify as part of the church. And I can talk about my church because I'm part of my church. I am the church, and you are the church. And we should be concerned about what's happening in our church. And when part of the church says that it's okay to be a homosexual, a practicing homosexual, and a pastor, or anything else, because those parts of the Bible don't apply anymore. We should be concerned about that. Because we should know and we believe that all of the Bible applies. So I have friends. Well, I guess they're friends. I don't know. I have acquaintances who remind me. They ask me, well, Pastor Jeff, you believe homosexuality is a sin, but do you eat shrimp? And my answer is every opportunity I, I get. I don't get to eat it very often, but every opportunity I get, I'll eat shrimp. Are you hypocrite? No, I'm not a hypocrite. Because the Bible is very clear that there is no sin in me being a shrimp eater. It's clear. It's crystal clear. No, but you didn't read Leviticus. Yeah, I did read Leviticus. But I also read Acts 15 that said, don't worry about keeping the law, but refrain from sexual immorality. Do you know that homosexuality is not the only sexual immorality that the Bible says we should refrain from? You heterosexual people out there who are sleeping with one another in an unmarried relationship, guess what that is? That's sin. It's called fornication. Oh, pastor, you're getting personal now. No, I'm just being biblical. I'm just being biblical. The Bible says, Abstain from sexual immorality. That, doesn't, that, that means whether it's same-sex immorality or opposite-sex immorality, abstain from sexual immorality. It painted with a very broad brush there. And it included everything that fell into the category we call sexual immorality. But guess what God did? God lowered a sheet in a vision to Peter, a good Jew who had never eaten shrimp in his life, never eaten bacon in his life. Poor guy. Can you imagine? Dave Brooks brought a meatloaf to my house last night. And you know what? It was wrapped in bacon. I mean, it was, it was like two layers thick wrapped in bacon. Do you know what? I ate that guilt-free. Because God lowered the sheet to Peter, and he said, Peter, kill and eat. And obviously, there were lots of unclean things in that sheet, because Peter said, Lord, I have never allowed anything unclean to touch my lips. And three times, Jesus tells him, kill and eat, and then Jesus tells him, don't call unclean what I have called clean. And at that very moment, guess who knocked on his door? A bunch of unclean Gentiles. 
When we read Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 6, did you hear what it said? Did you hear what it said? Listen. It says, the Gentiles shall come to your light. Do you know what Peter told those Gentiles when he went to the house of Cornelius? He said, do you know it's against the law for me to even be in your house? You're a Gentile. You're unclean. I'm a Jew. I'm not supposed to be here. It's against my law to be in your house. The only reason I'm here is because Jesus told me that I can't call you unclean because he's cleaned you. And Cornelius is like, Peter, just get to the message, man. We want to know what God has for us. And Peter begins to open his mouth to give the gospel. And before Peter can get hardly any words out of his mouth, guess what happens? The Spirit of God falls on those Gentiles just like it fell on the Jews. Proving what? Proving to Peter that God had cleansed the Gentiles. That God sent his light, sent his salvation for the whole world. Not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. Why can I be a shrimp eater and believe homosexuality and fornication is a sin? Because the Bible teaches me that clearly it's not jesus said it's not what goes in a man that that defiles him it's what comes out of him it's not what i eat that makes me unclean it's what i do that makes me unclean you are the light of the world let your light shine Our time of visitation is now, but our time, like all time, is passing. That's why we must purpose to be a people that will let our light shine before men as bright and as long as possible in our time of visitation. Where there is no light, there is no sight. You realize that. When it's dark, you can't see because there's no light. Duh. Light gives us the ability to see everything. Light gives us the ability to discern the difference between blue and red and pink and green and purple. It's just different refraction of light that causes the colors to to be different. We must not be a people who cover our light and hide it for fear of men. That's what the world is trying to do. The world is trying to intimidate us into believing that we can't preach the truth, that we can't tell the truth, that we can't live the truth. Because if we do that, we're just being a bunch of meanies. I can't tell people that sexual immorality is wrong and you shouldn't practice it because you're just being a meanie. I can't tell people that if you're born with certain parts on your body, that makes you a male. If you're born with a certain number of chromosomes, you're a male whether you like it or not, or you're a female whether you like it or not. And it doesn't matter how you feel up here or in here or wherever. The reality is biology is biology because God created it. And we need to stop living by our feelings and start living according to the truth. Do you realize, you do realize that your feelings will deceive you. I mean, it doesn't, take a, it doesn't take a lot to realize this, right? I mean, how many of us have lived any amount of time on this earth have ever felt a certain way about certain people and you just knew this was going to be the one? How many of you can look back now and say, Oh, God, thank you, Lord. 
what was I thinking? Oh, yeah, I wasn't. Or I was. <laughs> but thankfully, my thoughts changed. The, your feelings don't determine what's true. God determines what's true. And God says, read my word, obey my word, and don't follow your heart. Remember, don't follow the Disney formula. We don't want a bunch of Disney princesses. We want biblical men and women. Not people who follow their heart, but people who follow the word. People who follow God, even when their heart says, I don't want to do that. The command of our Lord is clear. We're to let our light shine before men. Men are in darkness, and we are the light that can give them sight. Our light is to shine in all directions. We may ask the question, how do I let my light shine? Or what does it mean to let my light shine? The answer is that we let our light shine in every way, in every direction. In small ways and great ways, in obvious ways for all to see, and in obscure ways for none to see except God, because God sees everything. Our light shines in all ways. However and whenever our light is shining, it is dispelling darkness to provide sight. We let our light shine in our words. We teach our kids at school. Is it, we say, ask this question before you speak. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? That's right. And if it's not true, say it again. Is it? Is it? Is it? That's right. And if it's not true, if it's not kind, if it's not necessary, then we shouldn't say it. Right? So let your light shine in your words. Let our light shine in our actions. Let our light shine in the things we do. Let our light shine in the things we do not do. Light shining is not just about the things you do. Very often it's about the things you choose not to do, that you refrain from doing. We let our light shine in how we learn. God has created an amazing world all around us. We should learn about it. And in learning about God's world, about God's creation, about God himself, we are letting our light shine. We should let our light shine in, the, in how we work. We let our light shine in how we play. We let our light shine in fellowship. We let our light shine in solitude. Your light is shining whether you're in a big group or whether you're by yourself. We let our light shine in our corporate worship each week. We let our light shine in our personal, in our private worship each day. We let our light shine before men, so we let our light shine before God. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men, Jesus said. In other words, in everything we do, our light is to be shining. Learning how and so letting our light shine is a lifelong endeavor. You do realize that, right? We see this pattern all around us. We see it in how trees grow. We see it in how children grow. We see it in how you learn to ride a bicycle. We see it in how you learn how to uh, speak a language or ride a language. Everything is a process. Learning how to let your light shine is the very same way. It's a process. And we should all 
become more proficient at letting our light shine. We should all be growing to the place where we're removing those things that are hindering the shining of our light. We're all progressing toward the noontime when our light will shine the brightest. We get there by beginning to shine and continuing to shine in His grace, just like the day. The day has to begin. There is a point where the sun comes up and it's just peeking over the horizon, but that's not the end. That's just the beginning. So it is with the way our light shines through our life. The Lord has given us the grace to be light. We all once were darkness, but by His grace we are now light in the Lord. Therefore, we are commanded to walk as children of light. That means we walk letting our light shine before men that they may have light and sight to see Jesus and so glorify the Father in heaven. How do they see Jesus? Jesus said, they see, they see me through the good works of your life. Caleb talked about this in Sunday school today. We very often as evangelical Christians who believe in justification by faith think that faith and works are two separate things, but the Bible doesn't present them as two separate things. It presents them as one and the same, just like fruit on a tree. There's fruit on a tree because there's a root on the tree. And if there weren't a root on the tree, there wouldn't be any fruit. And the fruit that's on the tree is determined by the root that's holding up the tree. They're not two different things. They're all part of the same tree. They're all part of the same system. You're not saved by working for your salvation. You're not saved by working. You're saved by faith, by grace through faith. But your faith means that you're going to shine. Your faith means that you're going to work. Your faith has to produce works. There has to be something the world sees that men have a reason to glorify the Father in heaven. And it is through, this is the words of Jesus, through your good works. So let your light so shine before men that they would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Where do those good works come from? They come from your faith. Your faith Your works is like the fruit on the tree. It proves, yep, that's an apple tree because right there's an apple. Let's pick one and eat it and see if it really is an apple. Yep, that's an apple. Tastes just like an apple. How did that fruit get there? Well, because there was a root. Faith is the root. Our works are the fruit that our faith produces. This is letting your light shine before men that they would see our good works and glorify the Father in heaven. Our worship is shining a light into this dark world. Our assembling together is an assembly of light shining in the darkness of this world. It is the light of faith dispelling the darkness of unbelief. That's why God commands us not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. See, we get caught up into thinking unless we can see like a huge difference being made, then it's not, not, not making a difference. Except that's not how the world works either. God works incrementally. You realize that. In so much of the world, in, in, in the everyday workings of this world and this creation, God works incrementally. I planted a tree about a month ago. And when I planted it, it was about that big. 
you know how big it is right now? About that big. Now, why, why doesn't God just make it that when you plant a tree and you put dirt around it and you water it, that, that it just doesn't go and turn into that big shade tree you want? Now, I have other trees in my yard that I planted 20 years ago, and some of them were only that big. Guess how big they are now? They wouldn't fit inside this building. And I can't tell you how they've grown over 20 years because I didn't sit there and watch them for 20 years. But you know what? I can remember when I dug those holes because that dirt was hard, and it was hard work, and it was hot work. And there are those trees now. And how have they grown? They've grown incrementally. If I'd have gone out there every day and said, Dad, gum, this tree's not growing. What's wrong with this? That would be kind of dumb of me, wouldn't it? And you would all come to me and say, Pastor Jeff, come on, you do realize how tree grow, trees grow, right? They grow, they grow over time. Some grow faster than the others, but, but they grow over time incrementally. Why, If we understand that about something as simple as trees, why don't we understand that about, about our life and about our worship? People say, oh, going to church doesn't do anything. It's just the stupid dead work. Really? Then why does God command us to do it? Why does God command us to assemble weekly? You know why? Because it is light shining. It's like trees growing. It's how light dispels darkness. It's how belief dispels unbelief. Yeah, but I can't see it happening. I can't hear it happening. Well, you can't see the tree growing and you can't hear the tree growing. But guess what? Over time, if it stays planted in the ground consistently in time, you're going to see the growth take place. Just same way in the church. How have we come to where we are today? 2020, January 5th. How have we come to this place? Because men and women have faithfully obeyed the scripture and let their lights shine all over this world throughout the generations. And here we are today. And what are we doing? We're doing the very same thing. And who would have thought 2,000 years ago that we would be here today. Well, nobody thought that except God. No one could see that except God. Just like you and I can't see what our faithfulness in assembling together and worshiping together is doing today. We don't know what it's going to do a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now. We don't know. But here's what we do know. It is doing something. It's like a tree growing. It's like the sun coming up in the morning, just peeking over the horizon. It's doing something. It's moving us to something full-grown. It's moving us to a noontime when there is no more darkness. And this is why God commands us to do these things. Because it shines a light and it makes manifest. Coming to the table each week is the very same thing. It's a proclamation of his light and his life and of our own. It's an act of faith in the light. Do you hear me, church? Coming to this table is an act of faith in the light. It's an act of obedience that dispels the darkness that seeks to creep into our life. And every time we come to this table, whether we realize it or not, whether we're conscious about it or not, we are 
pushing back the darkness. We're dispelling the darkness. We're reminding ourselves that the light has come. Arise and shine, for our light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon it. In Christ, who is our life, the darkness cannot prevail, for Christ has already prevailed. This table proclaims his victory over darkness and over death. So as you count yourself a member of the church, not a particular label of the church, but the church universal, the assembly of saints across all the ages, across this globe, as you count yourself a part of his church, a follower, a believer in Jesus, you are welcome to come to this table. You are welcome to Jesus to proclaim his life and to proclaim his light. We'll all receive the elements and then we'll all take them together. Come to Jesus. Let's all stand. Whatever you were before, if you are in Jesus Christ, you are not that anymore. Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. Paul said, I was the chief of all sinners. God's grace, God's mercy has saved me, has changed me. And we can all say the same thing. By the grace, by the mercy of God, we are changed. Our charge comes from the very words of Jesus. I've already read them to you, but I'm going to read them again because there's no one that can say it any more plainly. There's no one that can say it any more powerfully than Jesus himself. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You once were darkness, Paul the Apostle writes, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And the implication is do not stop. That is our charge. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine. You are Light in the Lord, walk as children of light and let the world know there is hope in the midst of the darkness and that hope is Jesus. Arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has descended upon us.